Hello, and welcome back to our Live from KBIA discussions for community connection and conversation over the airwaves. Thank you for checking in. Happy Friday. And for this Friday discussion heading into the weekend, let's think about how great it would be to simply escape right now, to head to new horizons, a new place, or even a new time, meet new people. Well, while actual travel is out of the question for most of us right now, it just so happens that books can take us places. They lift us up and take us right out of here. So our guest today is someone who's immersed in the world of books. In addition to being a novelist, Alex George is the founder and director of the Unbound Book Festival. He also owns Columbia's Skylark Bookshop, where he's always happy to give recommendations on great books. So we're going to take those bookshop conversations to the airwaves today. First, though, before we get to that, let's talk briefly with Jennifer Erickson. Jennifer directs the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute. That organization offers stimulating classes and networks for adults over the age of 50. And now they are continuing to do this, but they're not doing it in person. Here to give us an update from Osher and its offerings is Jennifer Erickson. Hello and welcome, Jennifer. Hi. Hi, Janet. Thanks for doing this. I love the show. I've been listening. Oh, well, thank you for listening and thanks for being here. And uh, you have been directing Osher and there's always a lot going on with Osher. But all of that, of course, like everything else, has changed. What What are you doing now to uh, accommodate the, the changes that are going on? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, we were in the first week of our spring semester when we stopped meeting in person. Um, and then over the next following two weeks, um, staff and MU Extension leadership and I worked together to bring the spring semester online. And uh, so now we just started this past Monday, March 30th, uh, with all of our online courses. We were originally offering around 20 courses in our spring semester. It is an eight-week semester. And um, now I believe we have about 16 of those classes that um, are meeting at the same uh, time and on the same day, but they're doing it online. So you can join from your computer at your home, your laptop, a tablet, or a smartphone, and you're able to most of the time see and hear and discuss uh, with your with your classmates. Um, so it's been really fun this past week. That's interesting. So you say it's been fun to kind of make this change to online. Um, People are finding the online connections and the classes on probably book clubs and writing groups that we're here, we'll hear about, but certainly exercise classes going online. So Osher is probably no different. Um, what, what are some of the classes that are popular and that are available that people are signing up for right now? Yeah, and you can still register, actually. We, we are delayed a little bit. Um, so there, most of the eight-week classes still have um, six or seven segments to go. Um, but yeah, there's a class called Advancements in Medicine. It's sponsored by MU Healthcare, and we have MU physicians coming on and talking about their research and current topics. Um, of course, uh, our first one actually um, pivoted to COVID-19, but not we're not only focusing on that. Um, it's ways to um, be healthy and um, be up to date on current issues in Advancements in Medicine. We have a class taught by a retired poli-sci professor from MU on nominations and elections in spring 2020, so it's certainly topical. Mm. Um, I know you're talking with Alex George. We have a class on uh, what's new in American poetry. Poetry forges ahead toward diversity, inclusion, and social justice, and that's Tom Dillingham, a retired mm. English literature professor. 
Um, we have a few classes that start in mid-April, one on white oak whiskey and wine. Um, that's kind of injecting some of the fun, as I was ex explaining earlier. Um, that's an MU Extension professor, Hank, Hank Stelzer, who's doing that. Um, and then there's a Miss Missouri history course. Um, it's called The War for Missouri, 1861 and 1862. And that's a retired lieutenant colonel and bank executive um, who also taught American military history um, for MU's ROTC program. Oh, wow. Okay. So that sounds like there are a lot of um, varied offerings going on. Um, tell us a little bit of, uh, more, Jennifer, about who teaches these classes. I've been to a book discussion at Osher myself. I've seen um, the author Ibti Sambarakat there. I've also just happened to run into uh, George Smith, our Nobel Prize uh, winner oh, yeah. uh, at MU there. Um, so I know you have an, an active, engaged community of really smart, talented people um, who teaches these classes? Yeah, you use the right you use the right word, which is engaged. Um, these are uh, instructors who teach because they want to teach. They're all volunteering their time. Some are current um, professors or business people or you know community leaders. Some are retired. We have a lot of retired professors from all of the colleges um, here in town: um, Columbia College, uh, MU, of course, uh, mm. Stevens College. Um, so it's really people who, who have a passion to teach. They're teaching because they want to teach, and we promise them an engaged um, room of, of students because all of our OSHA students are learning because they want to learn. Do you expect, Jennifer, that uh, your class load and your registrations will stay the same right now or go down? Um, you would think that it would go down, but is there even a possibility that it will go up while people are looking for this kind of stimulation and inspiration right now from home? That's a really good question. We had about 350 people that signed up for the spring semester. We have had a few people um, unable or um, not wanting to give it a try. Um, and we have, you know, of course, refunded some um, of their registrations. But yes, we have had an uptick in new registrations. You know, for instance, um, a, a woman named Nancy uh, wants her mother, who's in New York State, to join her for the poetry class that I described. So she said, can she register? And I just directed her to our website. And yeah, you can go ahead and register and take a class with your parents um, from their, her, her home in uh, New York. Wow, that's that's interesting. Okay, so families are connecting over Zoom a lot more right now. I noticed that uh, while I'm feeling disconnected in some ways, like everyone is, I'm sure, I have been in some ways connecting more with people through Zoom and more with family through Zoom. It seems like you're making the extra effort. So if you want to, you can get your family to take that poetry course or another offering, and, and that's something that families can do together across the miles to stay connected. Absolutely. And some of our discussions over the past week, you know, like I said, this is our first week with it. I, I was skeptical. I was worried. Is it going to is it going to work? Are people going to be able to connect? We've had amazing discussions. There's a class called TED Talks where you watch a TED Talk together and then um, we have a moderator who uh, moderates a discussion. That was fantastic. People were able to join in and, you know, see each other and talk. Um, and so really the connection is still there. Um, and it's kind of fun. We, we kind of, as people log on or sorry, uh, connect with the Zooms, we let them have a little open forum. And it's just, it's really fun to see people um, say hello to each other. We have a, a couple of dogs or cats that are on the screen. <laughs> you know, it's, we're, we're, we're seeing into each other's homes, but in a, in a, in a supportive and learning environment. Um, so it's a, it's a good connection for our, our program in particular. 
All right, Jennifer Erickson, thank you for giving this update on the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute and a lot of its offerings. Um, listeners, just so you know, we are going to put at kbia.org the Osher website so that you uh, can get some information about how to register for those classes. Jennifer Erickson, thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome, and thanks for doing this program. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for being here. All right, so back to the topic for today. While Skylark Bookshop has closed its doors for the moment, and now the Unbound Festival, uh, we have invited Alex George, the creator behind both of these literary hubs, to recreate some of these book conversations. And there are some things that are going on with Unbound still that we're going to hear about. And we're going to have these conversations over the airwaves with us today. Welcome, Alex. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Janet. Good to be here. And let me let all of you know that you can join this discussion. I don't think I've put the the number out yet today, but let us know what you're reading. Um, are you in a virtu virtual book club? Are you reading something with a group? Or if not, uh, books, what is your escape? What's helping you understand or give meaning to this crisis that we're in? So, Alex, uh, let me start by asking, what are you reading <laughs> these days? <laughs> I'm reading about five books at once. Um, which is not my usual practice, but I'm finding that in these times, my attention span is, uh, can be challenged. And so uh, I'm, I'm reading a novel, um, a wonderful novel by Lily King called Writers and Lovers, uh, which I'm enjoying very much. And uh, I'm enjoying uh, a book of poetry uh, called Homie by Denez Smith, which is also great. Um, and um, uh, another book called In Plain Sight, which is a nonfiction political book by Sarah Kendizor, who's actually from St. Louis. Uh, and so a, a whole variety of things. And I sort of pick things up and read a little and put it down again. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a funny time for, for, to be a reader. It is a funny time to be a reading, reader. So I think uh, what people who are reading probably are looking for is either an escape or the opposite. I, you know, I'm hearing a lot about Albert Camus, The Plague, uh, and mm. other... Uh, and, you know, love in the time of cholera, of course, you're hearing about. So it seems like people either want to get very deep um, and really kind of explore a crisis through literature or have a complete escape. And I, I'm like you. I think I tend to be kind of going for the escape these days. Um, what What are you finding that other readers are wanting to talk to you about? You're still shipping out orders at Skylark. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing a lot of? What are other people wanting to read right now? So it varies. I mean, people tend to sort of stay in their lanes in these kinds of situations. So we'll, we'll get emails that say, well, I really like uh, A, B, and C, and I want something similar. So can you please make a suggestion for you know something in the same sort of same genre? Some people know exactly what they want, and they're very specific about it as well. And then some people do just go, well, I don't know, what do you suggest? And so it really just depends. Everyone is different. Um, but we're, we're sort of suggesting, we feel right now a lot of people need a laugh. Um, mm. And so we have a we have a list of, of funny books <laughs> that we're suggesting a lot at the moment. Uh, there's a wonderful new book that just came out on Tuesday called Wow No Thank You by Samantha Irby, who uh, wrote uh, We Are Never Meeting in Real Life, which is a hysterical collection of essays. And this, this, this new book is more of the same. And uh, there are warnings all over this book not to read it in public because you're going to spill <laughs> Uh, whatever it is that you're eating um, or, or, or drinking because it's so funny. Uh, so that's uh, always, she's guaranteed good laugh. And then one of my favorites is um, P.G. Woodhouse, I guess being English perhaps, there's a slight bias there. Um, but he, you can really get lost in those wonderfully complicated 
and it's hysterical plots. And we, we have several of those in the shop as well. And I'm, look, I'm holding in my hand the Code of the Worcesters, which I've read many times before, but I may, I may take it home and, uh, and read it again because uh, it's, it is, it is a, you know, they say laughter is the best medicine. And uh, certainly finding things to laugh about in this time is, uh, can, be, can be an, an important thing. Uh, the other thing that we're getting a lot of is people are, are looking for big books, um, you know, I think they think, well, I'm going to be home for a long time. And so a lot of people are sort of doing their bucket list. And so we've mm. had people calling for Don Quixote and uh, Ulysses and Finnegan's Wake and all of those kinds of things, uh, all of which are sort of mammoth, great big things. Uh, so there's a lot of that. And one that, that, that we have been selling, actually, since it came out, it's relatively new. It's called Duck's Newburyport by Lucy Elman, yeah. which is... Um, you may have heard it. It was shortlisted for the for the Booker Prize last year. Mm. It's uh, it's nine hundred and eighty eight pages long. Oh, I didn't um, realize that. Yeah, and it, but what people tend not to know about it, and some people get a little bit put off by this, is that it's more or less one sentence. <laughs> yeah, I'd heard that it was very unconventional in its structure, so I had no. I assumed that would be novella size, but it's a nine hundred page unconventional novel. That sounds like yeah. a challenge. <laughs> It, well, but but it's actually not. I mean, I, I have not read the whole thing, but I have it. <laughs> and it it's actually not that difficult to read. I mean, okay. Lucy Elman is is some kind of genius, and she um she has she has managed to construct this thing that, although it sounds very intimidating, actually uh, is is not that not that hard and is very rewarding to to read. Uh, so a lot of people are looking for very big books, um, and then some people, rather like me at the moment, are looking for very short books that they can sort of gobble up in one sitting. And one of the ones that we are suggesting there is a book by Helen Turston called An Elderly Lady is Up to No Good, which also would come under the comedy thing. And it's basically the uh, it's these stories about an old lady who um, just goes around killing people when they annoy her. Hmm. Um, which sounds a little morbid, but it's actually <laughs> it's tremendous fun, and uh, and 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 short and quick, and that's a good a good pick me up as well. All right, so, go go ahead, Alex. Well, I do that, and, and then the other thing that people uh, are also thinking about is is we we sell a lot of books as a sort of part of a series, um, and uh, and sort of in this time when people are spending more time at home, now is a good time to begin a new series. And so we've had a lot of questions about well, I liked. Uh, for example, I like the Louise Penny books, and I read all 16 of them, and where should I go now? And so we have a lot of those kinds of things. Yes. Uh, and one, one that we're recommending a lot right now is, again, this is the sort of the English bias perhaps, but a, a very funny and very smart set of spy novels by an English writer called Mick Heron. The first one is called Deadlines, and the conceit behind it is that there's a, there's a secret um, bit of MI5 which likes of the FBI, I guess, in the UK, full of very bad spies. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're, they're, they've all been sort of demoted and they're put in this building and made to look after parking tickets and things. But of course, this being a novel, um, all sorts of things happen and they actually end up getting involved in very important things. It's very, very funny. It's also extremely smart. And I think there are seven of them. So it's one of those ones that's always, I always love finding a new writer and discovering the first in the series and going, ah, and I've got eight more to go. So there's been a lot of that as well. And then in a completely different vein, we're also getting a lot of requests for sort of activity books. Um, oh. And we have, we have these mammoth uh, 1,000 dot-to-dot books. Uh, oh, my which gosh. Is, uh, which are just, I mean, <laughs> you just look at them, and it's, it's, uh, they're a little intimidating and tiny, tiny dots. But um, if you really want a way of um, 
uh, filling up your days and you don't feel like doing another puzzle, then these, these dot-to-dot books would be, would be, would be a, a good deal as well. All right. You're giving us a lot here, Alex, to think about and a lot that could be a lifeline. I love the idea of the series, um, the Louise Penny. That's something that's been on my list for a while as well. Let me just do a call out to our listeners to let you know this is KBIA's noontime check-in. And so thank you for checking in with us today. What are you reading right now? Have you ever had a work of literature actually get you through a tough time? We'd like to know about it. Is your book group even more important now than ever? Uh, we're talking with author and Unbound Festival's Alex George about reading through a crisis. He's giving us some great recommendations. You can join us. Let us know what you're reading. Alex, it's really fun to just kind of exchange titles with you. I have a lot of other questions I want to get to, but <laughs> I hear you on Lucy Elman. That's been on my list for a while. And you're making me realize, and then also the the series like Louise Penny, I have to say a shout out to um, another author who's local, Jill Orr, who actually suggested those to me. And she also has her own series, which I'm sure you can get, uh, which is is really fun. So these these mystery series, it's a good time to get into those. I also, you know, wonder if people, you know, I'll just put a call out to our listeners as well as you, Alex. Uh, it makes me think of some really, really heavy reading that I have not tackled, um, like Nosgard. I've had that. I don't know if I'm saying oh, yeah. the name correctly, but my mm-hmm. struggle. I've had that, you know, giant uh, doorstopper book in my house for a while and haven't tackled it. You know, why not? Now would be a good time. I also wonder about Proust. My brother is doing something under a hashtag Tolstoy together, and he's rereading War and Peace. Yes. I yeah. Read about have you that. seen this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, people are doing that. And I think I saw another one with Anna Karenin as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure that Proust is getting getting a revisit. Yes, yes. Uh, absolutely. And there's, there's a wonderful translation of, of Swan's Way by Lydia Davis, which we have mm. in stock, which, which I'm actually about 50 pages away from the end of right now, mm. um, which is a wonderful translation. So, yeah, Proust, and obviously that's seven volumes. And that's just the first of seven. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a way to go. But, um, well, since, since you brought up Proust, um, Alex, that, I actually read that as a young person. Um, living in London on top of a double-decker bus, uh, making my way to a temp job, um, and read it, and I just have these memories of Proust, and that has been on my list for a long time to reread, and again, this would be a good time to reread it. And I had heard about the Lydia Davis translation, so I have to ask you a little bit about Proust. I think this would be a good time for people who haven't discovered Proust to jump into it. Now, Alex, um, so you're getting me into your new novel, so you you have a new novel out. I have absconded this uh, uh review copy from someone you gave it to. <laughs> so I have been reading it. And Proust is a, a character. So um, talk to me about, I want to hear about the new novel, but also Proust and how Proust ends up as a character in the Paris Hours, your, your soon-to-come-out novel. Yeah, well, so there, there are various um, characters in the book. I mean, the book is, let's start by saying the book is set in 1927 in Paris. It takes place over the course of one day. And there are various real-life figures who appear in the book. Um, Proust is one, of course, and Gertrude Stein, Ernest Hemingway, um, Sidney Bechet, uh, um, and Josephine Baker. And so it was a lot of fun sort of, sort of putting them in and giving them little cameos. But they're very much on the periphery of the action. The, the, the main heart of the story really looks at... The book is really made up of four separate stories, and that these stories are told in alternating chapters. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and these four ordinary people go through their lives on this one particular day and they, they come into contact with these various people. And one of the four characters is um, called Camille, who is based on uh, Proust's real maid, whose name was Celeste Alberet. Um, and so that was how I managed to uh, to work uh, Marcel Proust into into my novel. Hmm. That's great. Uh, and uh, is that someone you would recommend reading? Proust. Proust. Yes. Um, yeah, if you've got the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean, it, 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 it's. It's. Uh, it's. I mean, I, I've enjoyed reading him very much. Um, I, as I say, I haven't got all the way through, but um, it's. Uh, it's a challenge for sure. It's not. It's not an easy read. The sentences um, are long, but they're beautiful, and the imagery is wonderful. So, it's um, and not a lot happens. Uh, it's fair to say, but um, but I think that some of the some of the truths that are revealed in the in the writing are, are, are treasures for sure. All right. We're talking with author and Unbound Festival's Alex George about how books get us through tough times, help us escape. What are you reading or watching or listening to? Maybe you're tackling Proust. Maybe you're tackling uh, Louise Penny or even Nalsgaard, who I'm not sure I'm saying his name correctly, but that's another one to check out. This, If whatever is getting you through this crisis, whatever is your escape right now. Um, Alex, back to uh, your new novel, The Paris Hours. I mean, you, you wrote this. Um, in a very different world. Just a few weeks ago, our world looked very differently. So you you kind of unleashed this on the world before COVID-19, and now your novel's going to come out in a very different world. How has this crisis impacted the world of publishing, um, the release of your novel, and how do you think that this story will be received by listeners? Well, it's, it's had an absolutely massive impact on all of publishing, of course. Uh, I had a, a Zoom meeting yesterday with my agent and my publicist, my editor, and my marketing person who are all in New York, uh, just trying to come to terms with this new world and what it looks like. Uh, I was scheduled to go on a two-week national tour, uh, which has been completely cancelled. Mm. Um, and so right now, um, you know, May the 5th is the launch date, and uh, <laughs> I'll just be at home. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or here, and it will be a very different kind of thing than everybody had imagined and hoped. Um, you know, it's it's disappointing, but that's just that's you know where everybody is under the same, you know, the same strictures, and it's uh, we're all trying to make the best of it. We, you know, we're hoping that we're, well, everybody is in the market for silver linings right now, and we're we're busy trying to find those. And you had mentioned before about uh, when you were talking with Jennifer about the online. Uh, communities that are, that are cropping up, and we're looking at ways of recreating some of some of the things that we were going to do in an online context. Um, for example, on May the fifth, which is the day that the book is published, I'm talking to my publishers about maybe doing an online rather than having the launch party at Skylark, which we were going to do and we're looking forward to very much. We'll probably do something online, and I will be interviewed by somebody, and people can tune in. And, uh, and can watch that if they want to. So people are finding ways of getting around this. And in fact, there is a, a website that has been started by a couple of friends of mine, both of whom actually have been to the Unbound Book Festival in, in past years, Jenna Blum and Caroline Levitt. It's called A Mighty Blaze. Mm-hmm. And uh, they realized that a lot of their friends were having their book tours canceled and had no ways of of getting the word out to people and meeting writers, uh, meeting readers. And so they put this together and it, it's, it's a place where every Tuesday, because all books for some reason are published on Tuesdays, uh, where people with new books out can talk about them and can let people know about them. 
uh, and that's received a huge amount of attention from the publishing industry and, and more broadly and had a lot of support from uh, all different sort of areas of the industry and so people are people are inventive they they, they come up with these ideas and um mm. and uh, you know i'm sure that that will continue to go on um and you had mentioned about unbound and yes we we have taken we are planning to take some of the panel discussions that we were going to have on april the 25th we're doing those online as well uh, we have we've announced two of them so far and there's another one that we've uh, just confirmed but the two that we've announced on april the 23rd which is a thursday at seven o'clock amber sparks and alexander weinstein are going to be in conversation they um uh, they have both written wonderful collections of short stories that are set uh, just just in the in the future but only just so it's certainly still a recognizable world, but things are just a tiny bit different. Uh, and that gives them license to sort of play with things that we already know about, but make us think about them in different ways. And so, so they're both they're very inventive, very interesting writers, and they're going to be uh, talking to each other about that and what it means and the, sort of the fun that they have with that. Uh, so that's the 23rd. And then on April the 30th, which is the following Thursday, and both of these happen at 7 o'clock, um, we're going to be doing uh, the historical fiction panel that we had planned, uh, which is going to be uh, two wonderful novelists, Whitney Scherer, who wrote The Age of Light, and Meg Waite-Clayton, uh, who wrote The Last Train to London, uh, and then me. Uh, and we're, we're talking about all three of our books were set in Europe in the 1920s and 30s. Mm. And we're talking about um, about that and the challenges of that and uh so that I'm looking forward to that. That should be fun. We'll talk about an escape going to Europe in the 1920s and, and with your book going to Paris in the 1920s. Just sounds just like what you need right now. Um, so, Alex, uh, th- is this the Unbound panels that you're talking about? Is Are you calling that Housebound Unbound still? Yes. Yes. Okay. One, of my board, one of my board members came up with that. And I wish it had been my idea, but it <laughs> wasn't. But it's clever. That is that is what we're calling it, yeah. All right. And how do people sign up for those virtual discussions? So we are still in the process of working all that out. And I'm actually um, using my publisher's tech expertise to help me with that. Um, so right right now, there isn't a link that you can go to, but we will certainly be letting everybody know on social media and through our newsletter exactly how, where to go. It's going to be free, of course, because everything that we do at Unbound is free. And it'll just be, I hope a question of just clicking on a link uh, and that will take you to be able to sort of see the see the discussion. Um, but right this second, I can't tell you more than that, Janet. All right. Well, uh, I think people can just keep a lookout for Unbound and Housebound. Also keep a lookout for uh, the virtual sort of book releases that are happening. I think that's a, a lot to kind of keep track of and to keep us entertained and stimulated during these difficult times. Um, Alex, I had one last question for you. Um, having looked at the Paris Hours, you probably don't have it in front of you, but you have this beautiful, um, sort of at the beginning of the book, I'm not sure what you would call it, but an intro with a quote from uh, James Baldwin, which is yeah. such an appropriate quote at the moment um, for the times that we're in, which was mm-hmm. sort of startling because you didn't know what times we were going into when you published this. Um, you probably don't have it in front of you, but can you uh, talk about that quote and what made you choose that James Baldwin quote for your, your novel? Yeah, I mean, it's, I can probably go and grab a copy because I've got one next door. But the, the, the quote, when I read it, when I was, I was reading Sonny's Blues, which is a short story which it comes from, 
Um, and it just spoke to me because, you know, a lot of the, the interest in the book has come from the fact that there are all of these people who I talked about, like like Hemingway and, and, and all of these very well-known people who are in the book. But the heart of the book and the emotional soul of the book is not those people. It's these four individuals who are people who I made up. And really, when I read that, it, it read, read the, um, the, 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 the epigraph, I just thought, well... It, it spoke very clearly to the fact that we all have stories to tell, uh, not just the famous people. And, you know, as a, as a writer, by inclination, I'm drawn to quieter stories. Um, and so that was really why I, I, I chose it. And it just spoke to me as something that I was trying to do in the book, which, which is to tell, you know, quieter stories, which hopefully are still no less universal in their application. All right. Alex George, we're totally out of time now. It's gone by so quickly. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, And thanks to you, listeners, for joining our check-in on KBIA. You can find us back here on Monday, same time, same place. I'm Janet Saidi. Stay well and stay in touch.